OTB Sports Rugby. Everyone in the world thinks Ireland should win. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you pick the combined side, who'd get in from Wales? Jeez, I don't, not, no one, I don't think. Subscribe to the rugby stream on the OTB Sports app now. Off the ball, daily. Okay, it's uh, essentially a down week in the NFL as we wait for the Super Bowl, but it's not a down week for NFL fans out there in Ireland because Jeff Reinbold's in the country on your on your grand tour, Jeff. Um, how are you getting on? It, the Irish invasion is going well. We were in Belfast last night and it was a packed house. Uh, and these fans, you know, from the first time I came over here about 10 years ago, these fans have impressed me with, you know just how passionate they are about the game, and you know how knowledgeable they've become in the you know in the in that time in the time span from when I first came over here until now. You know when you talk to the fans, when you you know when the show's over and we get a chance to really unpack, there are a number of fans who really are quite knowledgeable about the NFL. And we got to thank guys like you who you know bring the game to the fans. It, it, it helps spread the word. Well, we obviously enjoy it. Uh, it's difficult sometimes, particularly when you're a fan of a West Coast team, to stay awake at four <laughs> o'clock in the morning. But you, you know, you've you've been that soldier on telly. Yeah. Well, I, I tell you what, when you're a 49ers fan like you, it's have you have you recovered at all yet, or are you still licking your wounds? I mean, it gets worse and worse because uh, Brock Purdy's injury is now you know six to twelve months. That's a big spread. You know, 12 months takes him out of the whole season next year, really. Six months probably means Trey Lance is the quarterback next season. We don't know what that's going to be like. Um, you know, I, I am concerned that they keep sacrificing I was, their quarterbacks. I'll be honest with you. I was surprised that they were as quick to say Jimmy's not going to be back with them next yeah, year. Yeah, straight away. Because, you know, when, when you manage in a professional roster, what you're managing is assets. And he's got two assets right now that are hurt. You know, Jimmy Jimmy was scheduled to come back next week, but Trey has had two surgeries on that leg since he's broke it, and now you've got uh, Brock's going to come off of elbow surgery, which is, you know, you're, that's that's your livelihood, your ability to throw the ball, and your elbow is under that torque stress all the time. So I, I think it's really interesting that they would come out three or four days after they're eliminated and say, we're not bringing Jimmy G back, but they must have a plan. I think, uh, and I actually wanted to talk to you a little bit about this, about how the game has evolved and we're seeing the super teams be built the way even the 49ers were able to go and add Christian McCaffrey. The benefit of having the two QBs on their rookie contracts means that they can pay Nick Bosa, they can pay Christian McCaffrey. The the Debo contract continues to uh, ratchet up. Fred Warner's contract is, mm-hmm. is top of the market too. We're seeing this now where so many teams are putting the chips in and most of them get away with it. The Rams didn't get away with it this year, right? Right. But maybe the Rams are going to be okay next year. Well, I think it's really interesting to watch. You know, most of the, you talk about two kinds of teams, teams that are what we call draft and develop, where they're going to draft their own players, they're going to develop those players and keep those players as long together as they can. That's the old school way. The Rams have changed the thinking in, in the NFL right now. We've, we saw them go out and give up, you know, Jared Goff and so that they could – bring Matthew Stafford in, a proven winner at quarterback, which is the most important position on the field. Now, you look at teams like San Francisco, for example, Brock Purdy cost just a little bit, 900 and some thousand dollars this year. When they defeated the Cowboys in the divisional round, the Cowboys paid their quarterback, Dak Prescott, $40 million a year. So 
when you can get a guy on a rookie contract, that allows you to have all kinds of big contracts around him. If your quarterback's on a big contract, then you have to backfill with rookie contracts to make to make the salary cap. And that's what one of the things that makes the NFL so unique, unlike the premiership or, or leagues that don't have a, a salary cap, every team should have the same access to talent. You shouldn't be able to buy a team. And uh, that's one of the reasons why we don't see dynasties anymore in the National Football League. Unless, of course, it turns out the QB in the Super Bowl is on one leg going to be able to begin creating one or 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 are they crowned one now because they've reached a final lost a final won a final I don't I I see I don't I think if the measurement if the metric that you use is Super Bowl championships right and that's what we used with the Green Bay Packers initially and then it was the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Dallas Cowboys and the San Francisco 49ers you have to win multiple Super Bowls before you're considered three a is, three is the number is it that's that's the magic number yeah two you got you know you're going to be in the conversation if you get three particularly three within a short span like three within five years then you're considered a dynasty when you just win one you're, you're considered a team that won a Super Bowl but could never right now the, the the knock on the Chiefs would be they've never been able to go back and do it again the the quarterback uh, position that that um, so it, it's the kind of counter argument to the the money being more valuable than the picks when you're building those super teams at the moment is that if you find a quarterback at whatever contract he's on you know it's, it's great when um, Joe Burrow is still in the contractual mm-hmm. situation that he's in Josh Allen is not in that contractual situation anymore and that they've had to pay him and obviously Mahomes is um, the highest paid athlete in, in world sport at the moment but when you have those players uh, it's kind of a it's a seesaw really if, if, if you can surround them with mediocre talent because they're so good that's okay but if your quarterback isn't that good you've got to surround them with superstar talent um, the ideal situation is when you discover someone like Jalen Hurts who may not be on Mahomes level but might be Mm-hmm. and it's still on a rookie contract. Mm-hmm. So there's a little window here where the Philadelphia Eagles could go back to back and have an incredible team. Right, and I think that that's the balancing act that every every club has to do every year because you have to be... It's, the, the way the salary cap works is fascinating because you have to be underneath the salary cap at the end of the year, but during the season, you have to be under the cap every week. So it's a the most important guy in the building you know, isn't really the head coach anymore in professional football. It's the capologist. It's the guy, the accountant who understands the rules of how to push money forward, pay players, signing bonuses, which they can prorate over the length of the contract. There's a number of ways that they can they can manipulate the numbers. And that guy, the expert capologists are is just as important as any player on the roster. Is this, I mean, since the, um, since the cap came in, right? Mm-hmm. Is this the most interesting period where you're actually seeing teams be clever at that and come uh, kind of with an ambush in the way, in a way, a little bit like the Rams went from being a complete joke. They were eight and eight every year. No matter what happened, they could have a great team. They could have a terrible team. They'd finish eight and eight. And then Sean McVay arrives in and goes, F them picks. And all of a sudden, they Super Bowl won. Like, is this the most interesting and weird period? I, 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 I think it is because, the, you know, again, the old school way was draft and develop. But what they found out was that even the billions of dollars that they spend on evaluation of college talent, you know, going to the combine, 
draft interview, all the stuff that they do. It's a 12-month job for the scouting department and costs teams a tremendous amount of money. They're still finding that their success rate, their hit rate on players is not very high. And it's especially bad on quarterbacks. They're the hardest guys to evaluate because you look at, we just said goodbye to the greatest player that's ever played our game, the most successful player that's ever played our game in Tom Brady. He was the 200th player picked the year he came out. 31 NFL teams passed on him six times. His own team passed on him five times. So that goes to show you that it's not an exact science. And there were enough guys that were taken early in the draft that flamed out that never, you know, never really helped their teams. But the first round draft pick is considered so valuable, right? And if you miss on a quarterback in the first round, and this is what I think San Francisco is, this is a big, big year now for Trey Lance. He has to show that he's worth what they gave up, which was significant to get him. Three first round picks to get him. Uh, but to to your point, Brock Purdy is the last player picked and wins his first seven starts. It's like it's, it is a complete lottery on that. And why is it still such a lottery? <laughs> well, I think because it's a, we say this all the time, it's an imperfect game played by imperfect humans and officiated by imperfect officials. And the same thing's true. You know, there's nobody, that, and there are some very good personnel guys, but there's nobody that can, you can measure them, you can weigh them, you can see how fast they run, how high they jump, all of those measurement things. But the thing that's so difficult to measure are what we call intangibles, the characteristics of the player. Is he a worker? Is he a good person? You know, here's an example. Brady, if you just look at Brady's, and I said this last night in Belfast, hey, go get his combine video where he's standing there. There's a, uh, there's, there's a part at the combine where they stand in their underwear and they it's like a model. They take a shot and they take a shot just to see what their body looks like. Model slash mugshot. Yeah, yeah, mugshot, right? And I told the I told the people at the at, in Belfast last night. I said, "Go do that, and you'll feel better about yourself today." Because he was, I mean, he had an old man's body at twenty three, and he was never a great athlete. He couldn't run. He couldn't jump. He didn't have short burst quickness. He had, didn't have a very strong arm. He had a, a strong arm, not a very strong arm. But yet he ended up being the most successful player that's ever played the position, the most important position in the game. But it was a perfect marriage between a player and a coach and a system that allowed him to be what he was capable of being and because he was incredibly driven, right? He was going to do whatever he had to do to win. As a matter of fact, at a time when he was renowned as the best player in the game, he gave, he took, he took less money so that he could have better teammates around him because winning was more important to him and he was smart enough to realize he was gonna get it on the back end. He was, it was Over the long play, he was gonna get it. He played 23 years and will, I, in my opinion, will never see the likes of him again. His new Fox contract is the, is the um, payback for all Absolutely, the Super Bowls. Absolutely, all of it. You know? And you, you know, I mean, it, the ability to say, I have seven Super Bowl rings. I mean, there's not a there's not a team that has seven Super Bowl rings. He has as many playoff victories as the Dallas Cowboys, um, so that's not bad. Yeah, not too bad at all. Um, I I heard Steve Young talk about the the difference in, of the the mobile quarterbacks from, from mm-hmm. the Brady era quarterbacks, um, and uh, because of the new rules, it was his contention that 
defences can't attack the way they want to. And so having a mobile quarterback suddenly opens up a pocket of space for you to operate in. And that's why you're seeing the Josh Allens. And uh, I, I don't know if he includes Burrow or not in this, if Burrow is more of a traditional pocket passer or if actually we haven't fully seen exactly what he's going to develop into um, just yet. But that the Jalen Hurts of this world completely changes what you need to do on defense. You know, I ha- here's my theory on this whole deal. You know, you look at the game of college football and you look at the game of pro football and they're different games. They're played in different ways traditionally. But what coaches who are interested in number one, they want to win, but number two, they want to keep their job. When I work for Dick Vermeil, who's a Hall of Fame head coach and won Super Bowl with the St. Louis Rams and took a took the Eagles to the Super Bowl. He used to say to us, it's a three-year process before you even start to see results. He said, the first year, you're just finding out what you have and don't have. The second year, you start to build. The third year, you should start to see results. Well, that's the old school way. You don't get three years anymore. These owners want to win, and they want to win right now. So what the head coaches, in the interest of their self-preservation, did is if the quarterback's the most important player on the field and he plays a different game than we play doesn't it make sense to kind of incorporate the things that he did in college so that he can play better faster and we have more chance to win early in the NFL and that's what happened you look at Sirianni and what he's doing with Jalen Hurts it gives Jalen Hurts the best opportunity to be a great player. If Jalen Hurts has to, this, and I will say this as we talk about the Super Bowl, if Jalen Hurts gets behind on the down and distances and it's third and eight the whole game and he's got he's to win from the pocket, Kansas City will beat him. But if he's able to keep balance in their offense and run the ball and use the RPOs and all the things that Sirianni has brought into the offense – at Philadelphia, then he has a chance to win the game because he is a dynamic player. He's not a great quarterback yet. He's a dynamic athlete playing the quarterback position. And when they are on schedule and can run the ball, they run the ball better than anybody in the NFL. 39 rushing touchdowns. Nobody. That's the best in the history of the National Football League. Is that slightly... Uh, an underrated storyline heading into this because most of the focus has been on the injured quarterback for San Francisco but actually so San Francisco had the number one defence heading into that comp- into that game and they did pretty well in the first half but they still were conceding touchdowns on the ground in a way that they hadn't done up to this point which you've got to say is because it's not because nothing to do with the, the injured quarterbacks okay field position might have helped in, in one of the touchdowns but that Philadelphia were absolutely going to win that game almost well, you know, no again, matter who was playing quarterback. Where's the strength of Philadelphia's football team? I mean, everybody talks about AJ Brown and Devonta Smith and, you know, the all three running backs that they have and Hurts, but really to me, the strength of that football team is in both sides of the of the line of scrimmage up front. Their offensive line that Lane Johnson's the best right tackle in football. Then you got Isaac Sayamalu who's a great right guard. Jason Kelsey's going to go to the Hall of Fame as a center. They've got a first round draft, our second round draft, excuse me, at left at left guard. And Jordan Mailata, who's an uh, Australian guy who never played football till seven years ago, had never played the game. Howie Roseman drafted him in the seventh round, the last round of the draft, and said he's big, he's strong, he's an athlete, we'll develop him into a football player. He's turned into a great football player. And when San Francisco went, had to be one-dimensional and 
Philadelphia knew that they couldn't throw, it was over because they just pounded and pounded and pounded away. And San Francisco's defense, you're right, they played really well, but they had no chance because it. Rem- I don't know if that Monty Python movie, The Life of Brian, if you remember that one, where the where the, the knight gets his arm cut off and then they cut the arm and he keeps fighting. <laughs> That's what San Francisco's defense was like in that game. They had no shot. Do you feel like um, we? One of the things that uh, again the extra game has meant that the teams are slightly more worn down when they get to the stage of the season and it's kind of unfortunate in that both quarterbacks have injury concerns over them. We have the, the injury to um, Jalen Hurts' shoulder and we obviously have the high ankle sprain which has had an impact, uh, not a huge impact, but some impact on... Well, You know what, you bring up a point with that whole question that I think is is one of the reasons why we're never going to see anybody challenge Tom Brady's records because these quarterbacks now get exposed to more hits than ever before. And you look at Lamar Jackson, who who was a sensation early in his career in an offense that put him in harm's way a great deal. He got hit a lot in that offense because it's by design. It's like a college football offense. And now the last two or three years of his of his career when he is getting to his big contract yeah. here he's been hurt he was you know they have a great football team he hurts his knee and their football team becomes very average very fast so i think it's really interesting thought and one of the things that i think the nfl has got to understand is this and and they do but i think the players association has really got to work to keep educating the the fans and the teams and owners and everybody that this is not tennis this is not badminton this is a violent game played by big guys on a very small field and you look at injuries they you don't want injuries to impact the especially the playoffs and the super bowl the run to the super bowl because and, and it's not because I picked them but it's because I truly believe that the San Francisco 49ers were the best team in football over the last half of the season and as soon as Brock Purdy went down it was over um, they have said that they're in favour of the uh, extra quarterback being available to you on your roster but not counting against your game day squad it's like okay so three quarterbacks on the active roster for all games it seems like sometimes we have to experience these things but well, yeah you know what and, and that's one of the things I give our league credit for is they continue to evolve in you know, how they address rules. Number one thing they've always said is player safety, and that's true. And I think what you're going to see is those rugby scrums on the goal line that have now, they've allowed, they're going to change that because somebody's going to get hurt in there. And, and, uh, you know, I think each year the competition committee looks at what they can do to make the game better. Their interest, number one, is in competitive balance, the integrity of the game. Well, and I'm not saying this because I picked the 49ers. I'm saying this because I'm as a football guy. When when Philadelphia realized, and especially after Josh Johnson went out, there was no chance for San Francisco anymore. And and they're not going to feel sorry for you. And they're not going to send you sympathy sympathy no. cards across the 50 yard line. I mean, they're going to try and beat you to death at that point, right? They're going to close the deal. Yes. And you know, so the league now, if they can give give teams a third quarterback and you can activate him on an emergency basis like what happened to San Francisco, at least you got a fighting chance. But here's again how the game is changing and coaching is changing. The whole thing is changing. Normally, you don't give your quarterback reps at all in practice 
during the during the week, right? But now as these guys are being exposed to more hits and there's a greater chance that they're going to you're going to lose one at some point during the course of the game, your number 2 has got to be ready to play. So now it's going to force coaches to adjust how they you know how they practice and how they give reps to their players. I think there was something like eighty something quarterbacks used by the thirty-two teams over it's amazing, the, course of the season, it? and um, as that happens, you get more and more of these guys who end up being lifetime reserve quarterbacks. And um, you know, fair play to them; it's one of the best jobs in world sport. <laughs> Until you got to go in there like Josh. Well, Johnson, yeah, dude. poor Josh. He's um, yeah. That that didn't end great for him. Um, you've obviously you said you've been coming over for ten years, and you've you've seen the ebb and flow of the sport uh, to a point where it seems like it's never been more popular, um, particularly in England. Like the the Jags has been a long, slow, steady build to get to a point where they had a good football team. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a bit of a punchline a lot of the time that the games would be coming over. It's like, oh, it's the Jags, great, hooray! But now they've got a great team, great QB. Uh, Super Bowl winning head coach and um, they've been really good at building their team over the last while so as they come that's going to add some more excitement what's your sense of where we are at the moment in that um, well I think we're we're inter- I'll just speak internationally first and then make it more you know British Isles you know centric um, I think the game is healthier than it's ever been around the world more kids are playing more you know th- there are more countries where you find NFL players I mean Australia, who has never had a chance at or has no Super Bowl winner, right? No player ever out of Australia has worn a Super Bowl ring. There have been Australian players, but no Super Bowl champions. Well, Philadelphia's got two guys on that team and a third guy on the practice roster, so they could have three Super Bowl rings after this, you know, after next week's over with. And you look at the success of the games that were held in Germany, the games that were held in Mexico City. The continued success of the London games, the fact that now the Jags are on the ground in London, they have an office in London. They're 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 on you know they're trying to improve flag football around the UK. All of those things, teams are now starting to get merchandising and marketing rights in countries around the world. So there are three teams in Germany. There's three teams, I think, three or four in England. I would not be surprised very, very soon that we don't see that Steelers have some sort of a marketing agreement here in Ireland. Right. That's a natural with the Rooney family ties. And you know, you go around and you realize that this is an international business. It's a gigantic international business of football. And through television, through radio, through the internet now, there's more access, there's more information, there's more education. And so the trickle-down effect is the game gets better at every level. It's funny, the Premier League, uh, the international rights outstripped the um, the local rights at, at, at one stage. And that's obviously never going to happen with uh, American football because the American market is so big. But uh, they're always looking for incremental revenue. And the amount of incremental revenue available globally is huge. Yeah, and see, this is where, this, this is how it's all, the NFL is such an amazing construction because it's 32 of the biggest capitalists in the world that live underneath a communist system, right? Because it's shared revenue throughout the league. So when they decide what the salary cap is, and the salary cap just went up, I think, another $40 million for next year, it's based upon total revenue, right? And the players have negotiated a, a, a contract that says a certain percentage of your total revenue has to be made available as for player salaries. And so as 
the NFL goes out and generates more and more revenue, the salary cap goes up and up and up, and it's more for everybody. And that's why I think you see thirty, like I say, thirty-two of the you know rich guys. How do you ever get thirty-two rich guys to to agree on anything? And I'm talking about mega rich guys. Well, the biggest way is by getting them to understand that well, you know, you're the bigger the pie gets, the bigger your slice is, and that's for the players, that's for the coaches, that's for everybody involved in the game. Are you heading to Glendale? Are you there for the week? Yes, we are. We're going to go. I'm going to leave on Sunday and get in Sunday night, and then we're going to crank it up Monday morning. They, <laughs> they have. There's a. Have you been? No. Oh, you got to go. I mean, you got to go. And the first thing, the first organized event, is what they call opening night, and they bring in to typically a basketball arena both of the teams, and you know you have access to the players. And but what it has turned out to is an international media extravaganza, and everybody is vying to get their picture taken or on TV or whatever. So you see. <laughs> You see some of the craziest people dressed up in outfits, costumes. You know, one, one time there was a guy in a wedding dress trying to ask Tom Brady questions. I mean, it's the most bizarre thing in the world. But that's the start of the madness of Super Bowl week. And then all day long, Radio Row is a phenomenon. It's, uh, you know, the probably 200 media outlets, radio stations, television stations have little booths. And it's just an ongoing battle for information and who can who can come up with the best story and you watch by wednesday the players are so bored of it they just want to get away and go play the game because they've been asked the same question 15 times and it's really it's really an amazing amazing atmosphere does that ever have an impact on the outcome are there teams who lose it that we yeah, get carried I th- away i think so and i think it's interesting the guys that i've talked to that have been da- have been there and done it um, and the successful coaches that have you know, been there and done it. It's one of the things, it's interesting. If you look at over historically, over the 50 some years that they played the Super Bowl, a team going there for the first time rarely wins. It's usually a team that goes back a second time because there's no way that you can prepare them for what this week is like. Because, I mean, they take the teams and they move and get them out of town and all that, but still the, the, the pull on their time, the pull on their attention, all the distractions, everything that, that you know, that you as a football coach you don't want before a game, you get in on Super Bowl week. I have a vague recollection of, a, of Endomic and Sue coming over and doing some games with you guys. Yeah, he did. Yeah. He's a great guy. And uh, here he is. Like I'm going to take half the season off, and then I'll, I'll decide which. <laughs> that's of these what teams a, I think you is know. Win. That's what a veteran can do, though, because you know he doesn't want to go to training camp. No, and he doesn't <laughs> want to play 17 games. He does not. He just give me the back half, right? And the ring. And yeah. the ring, and I'll be all good. He is really a misunderstood guy because, you know, you hear all the stories about him stepping on people's hands and punching guys in the pile and all. And all, there's a lot of it that's true. Yeah. But he is also extremely bright and. Oh, um, here's a financial whiz kid. Yeah. And very, very, very good person. And, you know, you guys had Nebraska here at the, in the college game last year. And, and Domican, I saw. Uh, interview he did last week he's got a big nebraska n in his locker in philadelphia and he gives money every year a ton of money back to the university of nebraska because 
he said that that was where he grew up. That's where he learned to be a man. And, and you know, if it hadn't been for Nebraska, he doesn't believe his whole NFL career would have happened. Yeah, uh, he could be haunting the uh, the nightmares of Kansas City and, and Andy Reid. What do you think? How is this going to play out? I, I think it's, you know, I think this is going to be a fascinating game. Number one for the Chiefs, advantage Chiefs, they've got, a week for those people to heal. And I'm t- when I say those people, I'm talking about he got decimated at receiver. I mean, they got Marcus Kemp out there catching passes at the end of the game. And Marcus Kemp had no idea he was even going to dress until the day before the game. Right. And so, you know, they've got to get healthy at receiver. They need to get Scandling back. You know, they need to get their receivers healthy so that Pat has as many weapons as he can have. Kelsey's got a bad back. He had back spasms. He did not. He he played well enough, but he didn't play like you would think Kelsey would play. Um, and then I think for them, the other thing is, can their defense, which is not built to stop the run, it's built to play from ahead, to rush the passer, to be able to pressure the quarterback, you know, when he's behind. Because that they expect their offense is going to score early, score often, and so how do you build a defense? You build a defense to defend from ahead. They're not real good at playing run defense. They've been leaky at run defense for a couple of years. It'll be interesting to see what they do to try and shore that up because Chris Jones is really their only. He's got to wreck the game. Yeah, he's got to because Frank Clark is a pass rusher. You know, Carlaftis, uh, the rookie from Greece, is a pass rusher. They got pass rushers and Chris Jones. Well, they got to get some play out of some of those other guys, or or Philadelphia just run the ball on. If Philly gets up or can stay within a touchdown for three quarters, I think Philly's got a great chance. But if if Kansas City jumps up a couple scores and Philly can't run the ball, then Philly's in trouble. And if Andy Reid wins this, is he the second greatest coach of all time? It's like he's getting into that. that. I, I, you know what? I'm a big Andy Reid fan, and I, I'm a, you know, I think this is such a. There's so many storylines in this game. Here's a guy that was in Philadelphia for 14 years, won a Super Bowl, but never finished. You know, like you remember, you remember the game where they're trying to drive at the end of the game to win. And Donovan McNabb's his quarterback, and he's out of the huddle throwing up, and you know, and and they couldn't finish the game, and so Philadelphia fired him after 14 years, and he did a great job turn, but he could never be win the big one, right? He's out of work for five days, and Kansas City brings him in, and again, he and Brett Veach, the general manager, have a real idea about how they want to build that team. They get Patrick Mahomes. They sit Patrick Mahomes for a year and teach him how to be a quarterback. He comes back the next year and wins the Super Bowl. I mean, it's a great story. It's going to be really interesting to watch how that plays out with the Philadelphia media, which is a really tough media. I think they really love Andy Reid, but they also love the Philadelphia Eagles. Oh, yeah. Yeah, fly, Eagles, fly. You're in the woolshed tonight. Um, it's sold out, so if anybody's listening to this, they can't come, but they can... Sneak in the back door. We'll outside. get you. We'll find out. <laughs> No way. It, you know, I, this is going to be a lot of fun. We, we, we did this last night in Belfast, and we, you know, we're going to try and expand it next year and take it more around. Because everywhere, when we first floated the idea that we were going to come over here, um, Michael McQuaid from uh, you know, Pro Football Ireland uh, bounced the idea off me. I said, sure, I'll come. I love, I love going to Ireland. And the next thing we know, we've we got two venues, sold them out in 12 hours, and you know, there was a great deal of interest from around the from around the island. So we hope to expand on it next year and go to 
four, maybe six places and, and continue to, you know, hopefully educate, teach, preach, you know, missionary work or whatever you want to call yeah. it about NFL. Have we any hope of getting a game? We thought that when I'm uh, telling when you, I, you know, I don't want to say I say it, it said it here first, but I'm going to tell you, I said it here first. There's going to be a football game here. I think an NFL game will come to this island within five years. You have everything you need. You have a beautiful stadium. Aviva Stadium is a gorgeous stadium, right? You have a fan base that's hungry for the game. And I think as, you know, as just our little part of it, when you look at the reception that we got in the and the crowd last night in Belfast and the crowd we're going to get tonight in Dublin and you realize that that's just a small little bitty thing, right? Well, it's here. There's the interest is here. And the NFL, you know, as much as you can say, you know, you can find reasons not like anybody, but I'm, one thing I'll tell you about the NFL, if they feel that there's a pocket of fans and a revenue source there, they're going to go to that place. And like I say, I think Pittsburgh's going to come in here and I think we're going to have a real presence on this island very soon from the National Football League. Best of luck tonight. Enjoy the game and have a, a safe trip to Glendale. Thank you so much for having me in, man. I, I, it's great to be on the, on the best show in Ireland. So I can say I did that now in my life. Nice one, Jeff. Click Thanks a million. Box. Cheers. <laughs>